It's about time you showed up, Fox. You're the only hope for our world. I basically have forgotten that that's a part of what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Welcome to NoClip. I'm Chad Rutherman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kenny. And today, strap on your flight suits, amputate your own legs, and get ready to pilot your R-Wing, because we're talking about Star Fox 64. Which was a game released in 1997 on the Nintendo 64, as the name would imply. Uh, and obviously it was developed and published by Nintendo. Of course. So, we all have uh, some pretty good like childhood memories. I have none. Of Star Fox 64, <laughs> except for Andy. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but I do at least want to take the beginning of this... To at least briefly gush about the 3DS version, which I just played for the first time, and is just so good. <laughs> so, for clarification, we're talking about both. Yeah, well, we're talking. Yeah, I guess we're, we're talking about Star Fox 64 in that we're not talking about Star Fox the Super Nintendo game, <laughs> but the, because the game it is effectively just a remake. Anything that's relevant to the 3DS version is likely also relevant to the N64 version. I played both before coming in here, because... I as well. It's super easy to go through. Like, you're not easy necessarily, but short. So, it's not like a huge thing to just play both versions. <laughs> I didn't play the 3DS version a bunch. Uh, but, I just, I don't know. Like I, I, I did just want to gush, I guess. Because I liked it so much. The fact that, like, it has a save game... And, like, the graphics are updated, and everything is just good and better. <laughs> I guess the only issue that I really have with it, like, from an outstanding thing, is that, like, the 3D version is sort of purported as the main version of the game, and it is baby mode. Wait, what? What, you, what 3D version? Like, the th it breaks it into two versions. There's 3DS mode and N64 mode. Oh, oh. Yeah. And the 3DS mode is, like, just for babies. What does it do? They, they rebalanced it. They just, like, made the enemies deal less damage to you. And, like, spaced things out there. The encounters are slightly different. Oh, the purpose of 3DS mode is to uh, account for the, the gyro controls. Yeah. I tried that, as you can imagine. Yeah, don't try that. I was not a big fan. I don't think I ever even tried the 3DS mode. I just uh, always played it in 64 mode. Here we are... Intense elite gamers, yeah. intense elite <laughs> skills, so it's necessary. Yeah, uh, what I also really like, at least for the like purposes of th doing this podcast, is the uh, there's a, like a score attack mode, mm -hmm. which, in the context of me not caring about like actively like trying to get on a leaderboard or something, is a great way to just like pick a level and replay it without having to go through the whole main game again, which yeah. is super nice. Yeah, that was. That was good. Particularly since the, the structure of the game sort of incentivizes individual level mastery. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the like important permanent progression, specifically uh, in the N64 version, if there's more progression than this, other than like the hour and a half story, you guys will have to remind me. You, you want to go for the medals so often, right? since you need all of them to be able to unlock a lot of like, additional content afterwards, that having to like spend an hour continuously trying to get to like the endless train level over and over again to try and like master using the land master right. is a lot really quite a chore 
Yeah, that's uh, and that's so like unlike modern Nintendo design philosophy, where there's actually like a lot of content in Star Fox that is like not heavily like advertised, and it takes a lot of effort to get to it. Well, I think it's because the way this game's just designed overall, it's gets got more of an arcadey kind of feel to it, where mm. it's like you are meant to like play it in one sitting. It's mm-hmm. and it's they base like the narrative around that where it's got branching pathways. So like it incentivizes you to play it more, it's multiple times to see all the different paths and how they turn out. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, we're like <laughs> veering just to talking about strictly like in sixty four is like the branching pathways was such like a good idea because it does a lot like the fact that it, the story is short allows you to replay the game for those, like, for, like, narrative reasons, if you so choose, but also, like, getting the, like, the true ending, the seeing Andras's true form, uh, actually requires, like, a level of skill that you have to, like, practice and get good with the game to achieve. True, but, I mean, it's not, you don't want to get to, like, to the, like, the hard path, hard, because... Since you, I forget if it's called that path. anywhere, or it's just like the red line. You make the connection that it is the hard path, but it's a mechanical challenge. Like it's the reason you want to be there isn't like to try and see the resolution of the Star Fox team saga. You do it because it's an arcade game, and you want to see more content in the arcade game that you're playing. It's and there are like there's a lot of really distinct, different content in all the levels, specifically in the hard versions as well. The the secret. Like on secret big quotes underwater <laughs> level, uh, the, like the level where you defend the great fox, and you're constantly in all range mode. Like, Sector Z, yeah. Sector Z is like, I think like the most notorious Star Fox sixty four level. In what way? Like just based on what people like talk about, like, yeah. like just. The, the childhood like feeling of having the great fox's entire wing fucking blown off of the side of it when you fail right <laughs> just sucks so bad and especially since it's the last like path that you can fail to get the the true ending on so if you're going for venom 2 and you end up in sector z if you fuck up you go to bolts which takes you to venom 1 and if you don't then you go into the Venom airspace and then into yep. Venom 2. So, yeah. It's a lot of shattered dreams of, <laughs> yeah. of childhood when Great Fox got hit by a missile. Because the whole thing is done in all-range mode as well, it gives you a whole lot of room to screw up Yeah, like a lot of the other sort of on-rails components of the levels. And it's even I more feel like that level is one of the easiest ones in the game. <laughs> well, in retrospect, I don't think very many of these levels are actually hard unless you're playing on expert mode. Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, but it is, I guess, maybe not as hard as people make it out to me, but I don't know. It definitely has... Failure has the most, like, daunting uh, implications. Because failure, in that case, isn't actually... A, a failure you to be like you don't crash you aren't shot down you're you're failing to accomplish like a specific defensive goal if you had an infinite amount of time to shoot down the missiles you could and would like you in the same way that you have like an infinite amount of time most of the bosses but you don't have that hmm. it's made even easier if you get cat to show up because she helps you out oh yeah 
I forget what path you take to get that. It's, it's the, just top the standard path. top yeah. path. Yeah. You have to. She shows up on. What's the level with like the polluted water? Like the Zonus. Zonus. Yeah, Zonus. Yes. It, you have to like do some kind of objective with her. Right. That's why we have to take out the searchlights. Yeah. That's the most irritating one to me. Either that or the, the changing the signals on Macbeth, uh, to get the train to oh, go the yeah. other way, uh, are definitely the most irritating for me because it's like, you just don't want to miss them. Yeah, it is easy to fuck up the uh, the searchlights whenever like the sea monster is going through the water. Yeah. Get you near my. That's a uh, one of the things that I did on this most recent several playthroughs because uh, I just got the 3DS version and wanted to unlock all of the levels for a replay and uh, I, I wanted to go the warp path in Medias and that fucking like ring thing yeah. is the most irritating goddamn thing in the world <laughs> I had to try that like five or six times to get it I felt like a dang fool but of course it is only irritating in so far as it's a goal that you set up for yourself that you failed to accomplish sure. but then if you want to do it you have to kill yourself and they made the boss of, of medias like well you don't have you could reset but if you kill yourself then you go back to the checkpoint Oh, that, I was wondering what you meant by that. Yeah, okay. if you get back to the checkpoint, then you can try again. You can just pause the menu and restart, and it takes the life off either way. I think that if you pause and restart, it goes back to the... Because I think that's what I did the first time, and you have to go back to the beginning of the level. Meh. Yeah. If it's not true, then I'm just dumb. <laughs> I haven't, like, um, played anything but the top path in a while, because I think it's just the best... <laughs> it's the best levels. That's not but, true. like, do you guys... Have a preferred path. Mm. I my, like so many levels in this game. Yeah. But. I My preference is normally a hard path, but I'll skip Sector Z, go to the train level, and then back to uh, the like planetary defense force on Venom 2. Man. I like Macbeth, the train level. Yeah. Uh, not the play. Um, uh, just for the guy in the train, like, his voice <laughs> acting is just so good. But, uh, other than that, like, I don't like the Landmaster levels that much. I hate the Landmaster And levels. I much prefer Titania to Macbeth in terms of, like, actual gameplay. Plus there's that cool boss at the end. The skeleton creature? Yeah. Oh. So Why do you creepy. dislike the Landmaster? I know it's a, little, a generalized opinion that's often stated about Star Fox games at all times. Like, anytime you're not in the ship, it sucks. But <laughs> I just I think it controls like ass. Like, I don't know how to say it better than that. Like, I think the controls are absolute garbage. Why? What are you failing? What do the controls make it hard or keep you from doing? It makes movement hard. It makes shooting hard. Like, everything that should feel natural and easy... Feels like I'm fighting the controls the whole time. What 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 movement specifically then? Let's say what makes movement difficult. Like it just <sighs> trying to think. It's been a while since I played it because I hate it so much. Right, you just avoid the landmaster yeah. levels because uh, you're limited at, as the landmaster. Unlike like, at least trying to remember now. I think your side-to-side side movement is, like, wonky. Your side-to-side side movement's really weird, because you have very limited control over the amount that you can move in one direction, because if you want to quickly go from left to right, 
the best way to do it is to do the roll. roll. And when you do the roll, it goes like a set distance. And then if you overshoot, you have to correct yourself if you're going to like hit something. Yeah. And then I feel like the hover thing is like weirdly floaty. Yeah. Well, the hover thing it's is supposed really, to be weirdly floaty. Yeah. The, the hover thing is very difficult to time properly unless you're like very used to it. Like, it's not something that feels natural because it's not like a jump. You have to like, pl- you see the thing and you have to plan to get over it. But because you're always shooting things that are in the air, the camera is directly behind you on the ground. So when you're approaching something that you need to get over, you can't see it unless you've like already cleared it. So it makes judging like the your depth of field like really kind of unnaturally weird to do. I would it's something you don't have to deal with in the R wing. Right. I feel like unnatural is the best word to describe the controls of the R wing. It's only unnatural if you compare it to the R wing, I think. I, disagree. I, I think their goals are really explicit. I they think... were trying to make a version of Star Fox in which gravity came into play. Because when you're in the Landmaster levels, you no longer have free up and down movement. You have it in a limited form in terms of the boosters, but it's an intentionally like not very responsive, very slow, and hard to control. And the second you release it, you slam back to the ground because you're this big metal ball. Unlike uh, the R-wing levels where your reticule like leans back toward the center, and this time it leans toward the ground, again simulating sort of like a gravity effect. It's They're moving like the center at which you're having to move around the screen, at which in both arcade shooters like this and first-person shooters generally is always centralized on the screen, way lower than you normally expect. And I can understand why that's weird, but I think it was an intentional goal on their part. I'm not even saying that I dislike it in comparison to the R-Wing. I don't mind the idea of the Landmaster. I think it could be done well. I think that on its own, the controls are just bad. You just move left and right. But it doesn't feel natural. Like, it doesn't... Like, there's something... I can't give specifics, because I haven't done it in so long. There's something about it that, like, it just doesn't work like I think it, like it feels like it should. Like, I think if you make... If you took the Armin completely out of the equation, right. you could have a game that's just the Landmaster, like a rail shooter or just a tank, and right. it had those controls... And you feel like that has to have been, like, yeah, an arcade game, probably. <laughs> no one would like it, because the controls are just bad. I think. Like, it would be an obscure game that no one likes. And yeah, there, it would be like a game that has, like, a niche community yeah. that, like, just likes to play it a lot. Dude, unless one of you guys articulate better what you mean by bad, then I, I, I never even, like, participate. I never even said bad. I was just saying, I like, my specifics were your left and right movement is too set in, like, distance, and the hover mechanic is difficult to master. Land. Master. <laughs> Uh, like, otherwise, like, I think that, uh, both Titania and Macbeth are well-designed levels. They utilize the, like, the tank to the best of its ability, but it's just not, it feels like it wants to be a different, a difference in kind, but at the same time you are still just firing lasers and bombs at things at a targeting reticle in the center of the screen while moving forward at a set pace, <laughs> and it's like... The only difference is that you feel more hindered. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, like, the the ground environments are not natural to, like, steer around. 
Really? Yeah, and I always feel like my vision feels restricted in the Landmaster as well. That's because the bottom 25% of the screen is just taken up by ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like brown. Yeah, it's like shit's coming at you like from the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. It's like... I mean, there are ground targets in the levels. You are f- fighting against like other tanks in, Tita- in Titania, uh, and you have like a, a pretty constant ground target in the tank, excluding all the other things that were like on rails, literally right. in that level. I always liked yeah. in Macbeth because you can blow up the like truck full of rocks that are like <laughs> on all the train cars. Dude, you don't blow up the truck full of rocks because you shoot the rocks for points, and then you blow up the rockless truck. That's true, but if you want to play it easy mode. You blow up the train first. <laughs> me, why does this game have points? What? The arcade nature of it. Yeah, I feel like it just has to for that. Just like as a trope, it just has to because it fits the trope. Yeah, it's like I'm making that I an think arcade it, game. They want, like, there's going to be people, because it's an arcade style game, they're going to want to replay the levels and go for like a high score. Because mm. it lends itself to that. Yeah, and I feel like they have to have some marketing evidence for that, considering the existence of the score attack mode in the remake. Like, because there isn't a score attack mode in the first one, you have to just play through the game again yeah. to get to whatever level you want. But at the very least, the score attack mode, like I explained earlier, has the utility of giving you the level-by-level replays that were lacking in the original. Yeah, but that's not how it's marketed, though. Yeah. Like, it's not like a level select. It's yep. score attack and I mean, it has the medals, and it has, like, unlockables based on it. Uh, I don't know. I think the score is, like... I think the score is an overall positive thing. I mean, like, we were talking just the other day about how uh, you, JJ, wanted to, like, beat George. Yeah. yeah, the scores, in my case, were, like, a very set-up goal, since, you know, I had, like, a specific person that I was trying to beat, um... And that was funny, but it was actually, it really was the first time I approached the game from like a, a trying to get like the highest score possible perspective, because the game is very good about giving you like alternative paths and ways to go on other goals other than just like shoot every enemy as efficiently as possible. <laughs> um, Which I'm not even convinced that that's like possible. What do you mean? Like, you can't... This game doesn't have, like, a 100% run, right? There's just an impossible amount of enemies on screen, right? Oh, not 100%, but that's mostly because of uh, the pre-Venom 2 when you're in space. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's impossible for you to hit every enemy in that level uh, because people are still getting progressively better. Actually, I googled, like, afterwards... Like, I'd like to, like, look up, like, what you do if you wanted to, like, maximize score in this game. Right. Uh, turns out, the thing that you do uh, is use almost exclusively charge shots, hold down both L and R so that the charge shots do not lock on to the target, and then precisely fire charge shots so that the aura, like a little explosion yeah, yeah. part, hits them, but not the charge shot itself. That's really weird. Yeah, you get... The way that... Evidently, I... They kept this in the 3DS release, which is cool, and they even like start talking about it when you like go between load screens and stuff. So can, I make, can I make a guess? Can I make a guess? Yeah. Can I make a guess? Because I know that if you lock on at least with a charge shot and hit an enemy, and like the explosion kills another enemy, mm-hmm. you get a hit plus two, so you get the kill plus an additional point for the multi kill, and then the number of kills that you get. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's plus one if you just hit like one person right. in the so, second. So no. does it lock the one like gimme kill even if you don't hit someone with the charge shot? Yeah, it's like the plus one is is not like it isn't into it isn't in like a smart way take into account 
it's one more than what you would have normally hit. Mm. What it does is just was if a thing was hit by the radius of the charge shot, it's a plus one now. Oh wow! So if you can only hit things with the radius, you get like double points from kills. That's crazy, town. Yeah. So you'll have people who are going through levels who, uh, for example, I uh, will get like over seven hundred points on like the pre Venom two space level. That's a bunch of points. Yes. <laughs> That's like almost as many points as I got in a full run. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you saw my Chad A plus score <laughs> was nine eighteen, which is I mean I guess fairly. Yeah, low, I think mine's eight hundred something. Yeah. Oh, I've never been like a go for the high score kind yeah. of guy. The aforementioned score that uh, I had to beat was twelve hundred, and the score that I got to beat it was thirteen fifty eight. So. Uh, yeah. That's really good. I love Star Fox. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is probably also relevant JJ context loves needed. Space foxes. I don't like. It's not like I play it all the time, uh, and by play I didn't play you know games with space foxes. It's only a rare thing that I do. <laughs> I it was actually the game that got me into video games, at least as far as I can remember, which is interesting given that I don't really like arcade games, uh, and though I'm okay with shooters, I have no like real affinity for shooters. It's just a strange aberration in my history in that it's something that I really enjoy and have a lot of fun memories for, but has almost no, like, interest through line to the other things about games that I enjoy. Right. I actually kind of am in a similar boat. Like, I have no nostalgia for this game. First time I ever played it was the 3DS version. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's not like other games that I would like at all, but I really like this game. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's just a testament to how well... This is something that Nintendo is, like, strangely good at, is that they'll take just a concept or a genre of a game and sort of, like, when they're not, like, inventing genres uh, <laughs> in the 80s, uh, <laughs> they then can take, like, something and just give it a spin that just appeals to a lot of people. Like, I would never say that this is, like, among the best, like, rail shooters, shooters. Yeah. or, like, anything, like, the best, like, sci-fi games, right. but, like, it takes elements of those, like, genres and tropes and just does them in a way that's, like, readily accessible to a lot of people and also, like, stands up to, like, scrutiny and repeat playing. Mm. Like, it's just very good about, it's, it's good at what it does. But it doesn't, like, appeal specifically to genre fans. Am I correct in my belief that, like, rail shooters as a genre are pretty dead in the industry? They're largely very dead, yes. I don't know if dead's the right word, but they don't get made very often. Sure. <laughs> like, I don't know if dead's the right word. Well, they like, decompose <laughs> completely. It implies that they don't make them anymore at all. Right. I mean... Go, I, I know there's, like... A surprising number of them on the Wii because it lent itself to that. Yeah, but you know, you even had like the the gun yeah, peripheral, the which yeah. was great. Yeah. What the zapper, Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, we also we live in the indie age, so you will find whatever like specific pandering genre you want if right. you look deep enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, I wonder if anybody's made a Mister Mosquito clone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. Not gonna ask. <laughs> We'll save that for the Mr. Mosquito cast. That will never be. Well, we'll see. So, you were talking about Rail Shooters. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know... Because, like I said before, this is just such a weird relic in so many ways. I'm curious how many parts of, like, the original Star Fox 64 were intentional choices, and how much of it was just, like, perfunctory choices. Like, why... 
the Nintendo actually sit on the think, I we want to make a rail shooter. Why are we making a rail shooter and like go off of that, or do they just do that because video games? Nintendo, like I maybe like I might be giving them a little too much credit here because I love Nintendo, <laughs> but um, it seems like whenever you like hear people talk about like their process, it's they come up with a gameplay concept and then they like go make all their other decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. Like, the way you should do it. Right. So I would be willing to guess that that's what they did with this game. Yeah. Have you played Star Fox? Like, the SNES game? No, I've never played the SNES Star Fox. Okay. The way... The games do actually play surprisingly similarly. Like, Star Fox 64 feels a lot like a very polished version of that game, which is effectively what it is. Um, but a big thing about it... Uh, is that that game was designed a lot as like like a technical thing? Yeah, like a super tech demo. Right, super because they, chip. Yeah, because they had just come up with like the ability to do all of the cool three D effects and stuff, and uh, I, I feel like that's kind of what started it. And like designing that game, like Star Fox sixty four didn't have any like fresh new like game idea concepts behind it. It was all like, it was just like bringing back a game that people already liked mm-hmm. and making it better. Yeah. So. And it, it also, I'm correct in thinking that it also functioned as that sort of like partial tech demo thing within the context of the N64 as well to some extent, right? Yeah. It was like a, a hyped first party title that for its time was like very, very, very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which unexpectedly <laughs> leads me into a point that I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that this game, despite being at least unique for, like, the audience that received it mm-hmm. and how well-regarded it is, it's not, like, influential in, oh, yeah. in as much as, like, there weren't any, like, Star Fox clones no. that came out around the time. And the game didn't even get properly sequelized. We spent the majority of today talking about... Star Fox Command and Adventures and Assault. Yeah. And all of these games that took weird detours from what made the original game so successful. Yeah. And I'm wondering what, like, the justification yeah. for that is. My guess would be that you also hear Nintendo talk about this stuff, is they don't want to just make a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, they always want to come up with some new idea that they can implement. And I think that they've just been struggling with that with Star Fox. Like, they keep trying to pass it to, like, a new, a different team to develop, and it, like, never works out. Because it never had, like, a unique mechanical identity that they could innovate on. Right. There, yeah. yeah, it was sort of like a, a the identity of a tech demo. It was an impressive thing to exist that used a bunch of very comfortable tropes. But okay, now that I'm saying this, because it, it seems, like, overly critical in context... The game is very optimized for the like arcadey structure that it's designed to emulate. Mm-hmm. We, we already talked about how the amount of like diversity in like repeat one sitting playthroughs that you can have was clearly intentionally designed. And something like that doesn't exist in other arcade games. Like if you go through like the Street Fighter set, you're for the most part, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to be going through the same fights in the same order. If you go through the Ninja Turtle games, you're going through the same levels in the same order. And the diversity is just supposed to come from, A, either you getting so much better at the game so you can overcome the challenge and experience something new the next time, or B, just differences in the circumstances of the games based on either like having other players or something 
literally different like going completely wrong in, over the course of your single playthrough. But there's less room for that sort of diversity uh, in Star Fox and like individual levels. Like you're in a rails shooter, and the power ups are always going to be in the same place every time. Right. But it's how things carry through, like the different routes that you can go, the different people that you can encounter, and how those chain together into a full hour and a half playthrough that provide those differences that they can just keep creating new versions of. Right. So, I guess then, and we're talking about, we'll talk about, like, its influence on, uh, like, the fact that other games didn't really pick up on, like, the popularity <laughs> of it, but in talking about sequels, well, it does seem like that is something that is difficult to, like, iterate on, mm-hmm. barring just making new levels. Yeah. Uh, now, on the advent of Star Fox Zero, do we think that Nintendo just thinks it's been, like, long enough like we, it's yeah. been twenty years. We can make effectively another of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of that, and they have come up with a couple of new, like enough, like not on the level of what they would normally do. Wait, right. What's the new thing you're referring to? They came up with the new mode for the R wing. The chicken. Uh, yeah. That's like, not new. It's not new. They, it was actually a panned idea they had when they were developing Star Fox Two before they created N sixty four. Well, it's, it's new. It's new game. to the series. Right. Sure, sure. I'm just saying and it's an idea they had. There's since also the, 90s. the gyro wing. I don't know what that is. It's like a probe that you can send into like an enemy ship, and it drops down like a Rob robot that can do like it could hack like R two D two. Okay. Do an astromech droid, basically. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So and I know that you can use I think you can use multiple vehicles in the different levels. So you're like I'm going to do this level, I want to do it the Landmaster run. I think like I don't know if you could do the whole game this way, but I know like there's certain levels where you can pick which vehicle you use. Right. Which I think is a, like an amazing Yeah, device. I think I think they're just doing what they did for, like from the difference from Star Fox on the Super Nintendo to 64 is they're just tweaking it. They're trying, they're they're trying to up their level it. design. Because yeah. they already tried the like primary gimmick being you can attack at all, on all fronts, land, sea, air, <laughs> ground. Right. Yeah, even standing on the wing of another flying ship with a rocket launcher was a thing that existed in Star Fox Assault. Right, right. Um, I don't think that came back in this one. <laughs> no, it did not. But, uh, but that wouldn't just adding like more differences in, in like approach, assuming that it's still linear, which it was an assault. There were times when you needed to be in the ship, and times when you needed to be on the ground. In the game, was, even though you could technically just like keep running around on the ground if you wanted to, right. you would lose. And it just sounds like they're trying to get better at making levels that can't just be beaten through all these different approaches, which I can get behind. Yeah, I think that is a goal that they have, yeah. and I think yeah, they aim to bring back like the feel of '64 as well. Yeah, and uh, frankly, I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I feel like yeah. a lot of people were just saying, like, like why not just make Star Fox 64 too? Like, Essentially. It, like, every time a new Star Fox game comes out, it's like, people, there have to be, like, there has to be, like, a guy on staff at Nintendo that just shreds hate mail. Like, yeah. like, like, like a dude whose entire job... He just has, like, a stack of papers that say, make Pokemon Snap 2. Right. And a stack that say... Like, Star Fox 64 2. And he just puts them through the shredder. I'm sure they tally them to like, see how many people... Localize Mother 3. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Christ. Yeah, it just, 
<laughs> that's like the byproduct of having like being a company with such a large fan base and international differences between your release. And they products. decided yeah. to finally answer that hate. <laughs> <laughs> One of them got through the filter. The first line of the email was like, "We really liked Skyward Sword," and they were like, "Oh, pass it on to the higher ups." It's, like, <laughs> it's like, the, the guy who's in charge of shredding the papers really hates Star Fox. <laughs> like he's kept all these papers in a closet, and like Miyamoto like finally stumbled upon all of them. It's like no, it's yeah. like man, I thought everybody hated Star Fox sixty four. Miyamoto's never been on the internet like. The paper shredder guy looking into the other room just be like, yeah, blue fox and bikini, that's the direction you should go with the series. <laughs> Keep that up. <sighs> that's oh how Miyamoto stays so original. Yeah. He, never gets on the <laughs> he can't, like, accidentally take some of these ideas. That's how you have a TV robot. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Climb out of the hole. Grab. Yeah. Okay. Grab the falling rocks. So, there might, they, this literally just may have no discussion at all attached to it, Yeah. but I at least want to pose the question, have either of you two ever played or even heard about, like, a quote-unquote Star Fox 64 clone? Like, a game that plays like, start, like, not an intense rail shooter, like, like a space shooter with that sort of, like, console... Nintendo aesthetic. The closest thing I'm even aware of, and is is stupid and a non-cast thing because I remember I forget the name of it. It's like the worst possible thing you can discuss. But there was like a there was this one series of games which I believe only had two iterations. The first one I think was also an N64 game, and the second was I think a Wii game that like, they had like some press from me about it. That was a rail shooter in which you played like a person with an arm cannon, and it's a trophy in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Metroid Prime. No. Mega Man. Mega Man. The only thing I can think of... Sin and Punishment? Oh, that sounds is that exactly it? it. I, no, Where did that come from? That game's supposed to be really good. Yeah, the yeah. The Wii version, anyway. Yeah, but no one paid attention to it because it had like a weird like future anime aesthetic that wasn't yeah. unique enough to differentiate I it. actually kind of want to play that game. But, but yeah, I, that is the closest thing I have in that it is futuristic. Uh, it is a rail shooter. There are lasers. But you are just like a person with rocket boots in a city, as far as I'm aware. So. Right. Well, the only thing that I can think of to compare is like... Rogue Squadron. You're right. But yeah. Rogue Squadron, like, I, like, it, Rogue Squadron is more of, like, a flight simulator. Right. This is the or thing wait, that's... is there one that's, like, no, more no, like Star Fox? Yeah, you're, you're confusing the different, like, there is the simulator one, which is, like, X-Wing for the original PC games. Oh, no, I And mean... Rogue Squadron is, like, a GameCube Star Wars game. I think mm-hmm. that came out a lot. That was actually the game that I was thinking of that had, uh, the, the, the number one score on every level was Ace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the only thing I could even think of. So. Good pull. That's yeah. much better than mine. Because <laughs> I feel like it's even in like the honest trailers for Star Fox uh, is that uh, Star Fox borrowed a bunch from Star Wars and then Star Wars stole all those ideas back and decided <laughs> to make games. Yeah. I guess I don't know why. Like I, I don't know. I just got the impression that it was like Star Fox was such like a huge. Thing, and then, like, I never saw anything of that, like, caliber out of the genre for a while. But I might just be, like, completely overlooking 
some there's, rude rail shooting there's because probably I'm not a something part of that's that. like it. Yeah. Con- continuing the trend of questions that may lead to nothing interesting, is there? Do we know why rail shooters as a thing are dead? It's not as in like I, I feel think like yeah, yeah. it was the shift towards like more narrative driven games, probably. Sure. But I mean, like now people are starting to like even like poo poo on narrative driven <laughs> games a lot. But um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of resurge at some point. I mean, we can agree that rail shooters do have a lot of possibility space for like narrative interaction, right? I mean, you're literally on yeah, rails. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they could just present you with things at the pace that they desire. Yeah. The thing with, uh, with rail shooters, I think, is that if people see, like, the market wants to push toward games where you have full control, because that's something that seems to do well, but, like, the House of the Dead, like, Sega is still making that series. Yeah, like, Over- super fun. Yeah, like, Overkill came out in, I want to say 2014? And then they even made a Typing of the Dead variation on that one. Mm. So, like, there, there's definitely an audience for it. And I, for one, like, always have enjoyed real shooters. Like, uh, like from the aspect of, like, the it allows you to focus entirely on, like, your aiming. Like, the precision aiming. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, like, having to manage movement as well. well so you, it's, like, a very different experience than, like, a traditional 3D shooter. But you have, you have to manage movement. But you just you, you manage movement within the context of the screen. You're not imagining yourself in, like, a 3D place that you have to sort of construct the parts you don't see in your mind. You just have your ship on screen, and you just move it independently within the confines of that screen. Right. But that, that which forces you to focus more on, like, the mechanics of, like, the aiming and Maybe. shooting as opposed to... Running around and traversing there. Maybe yeah. it's that a lot of the genre, like to like an onlooker anyway, seems kind of stamey. Sure. Yeah. I feel how like, many time crisis games? I was are thinking there? I can of, tell you the difference between any of them. <laughs> I was thinking of um, that shoot 'em ups are also kind of a genre that's faded away mm-hmm. as well. But those games are also fun. Yeah. And I was like, what about, is it about those? And it's like maybe it's because they feel kind of samey. Yeah. That's one thing. Like. I've definitely seen a lot of uh, indie shoot 'em ups, though not like really good ones. I've definitely played some that are alright. Rail shooters just do seem like they're just not. There are not a lot of people yeah, making. Maybe stuff. it could also factor in. It's just like the idea of being in like a three D environment and not having like full range of movement yeah. seems. Weird I think to both players. of you are on the right track. I think it's. The, I think it's. The, the, it was the push for like active player control once you got into the kind of games. You had the ability to do that. You didn't have to, like, very as tightly control like when you're encountering these like 3D set paces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, there's probably that was why big. they tried to implement so many ground sections in the in assault. That does make sense in context because you could look around different directions. Yeah, yeah, and move within those three. I think we're on something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that explains the, the push because a lot, a lot of the. Because there, there were levels of assault where um, you had to, that it was, they were sort of like open in a sense, and you had to go through all three different forms. I remember there was a, a jungle level in that game where you, you could like, you had to independently switch between like covering the air, moving around on the ground, and then like exploring weird temples when you got Did out you of the tank. have to use the boost to get through? Uh, I know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you actually used the brick. <laughs> you did use the park a lot. Uh, 
So I'm just gonna like I'm gonna use I'm gonna put out a call. I'm gonna say somebody should design like an independent narrative driven rail shooter. Yeah. <laughs> At some point. I will I will buy it. Day yeah. one perch. Day one perch. There's room though. There's there's cool space you can go with that. Mm. Bonus points if you don't have a gun. Yeah. That's weird. How are you gonna not have a gun? It's not I don't a know. rail shooter. Well, yeah, but that just mandates a target. Yeah. What if it's uh, a rail? You, is it specifically like not like a gun that shoots bullets? Can it be like a ray gun? Not, not in a not a ray gun either. <laughs> can it be like a splatoon ink gun? <laughs> yeah, can it be a ink gun? Can if it be it a drive-by similar... fence painter? <laughs> what about a bow and arrow? Would that be acceptable? Who's having like marital issues? <laughs> okay. That's where the story okay. comes. In. It has to. What have... about if you're like a paper boy that throws newspapers? I'm just saying there should be mechanical <laughs> differences. <laughs> Just not a point-and-click deck of death device. <laughs> Newspapers would work. A paper what boy you, is already. What if you had to like hit people really hard with them and like give them and kill them? Yeah, the newspapers. Like you throw a newspaper, but the newspaper's really small and made of metal. And when it goes through somebody's head, it leaves a huge exit yeah, wound. Yeah. On <laughs> Do you also do you also not deliver the papers? Is what that if all you you're like, doing? What if you yeah, like threw no, swords yeah. at people? Right. That'd be fun. And also you find the newspapers out of a gun. Yeah, yeah, a newspaper gun. We should take a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if get a game where you're like a mascot at like a baseball stadium, you shoot the hot dog gun. What? People. A hot dog gun? I don't think there's a hot dog gun. No hot guys, dog and gun. neither have you ever been to a baseball game? They no. shoot t-shirts out of those guns. They also shoot hot dogs out of guns. That well. seems unsafe. That seems, yeah. Well, like... yeah, the whole idea of, like, getting, like, a, like one of those hot dogs is disgusting as hell to me, because <laughs> they're probably, like, filled with bugs or something. All of them? You think no, but I mean, like... I'm postponing the break until we, <laughs> uh, until we figure this out. But no, they, they do. They, they shoot hot dogs out of, like, a gun into the audience. Are they wrapped in foil? Yeah. Okay, good. Because otherwise they would, you know... I'm unsure that that makes this better in any way. Well, because they're now like a packed projectile, the same way that they used to like pack shots in cannons. In, no like, projectile against the bow. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. No it, projectile food is good food. The moment food becomes a projectile, it ceases being food. <laughs> Like <laughs> until it stops motion, it becomes food again. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. You're not expected because if it's in the floor, you're not expected to like catch it in your mouth or anything, right? No. You have to just you catch it with your hand. Okay, that removes a lot of. Well, it's your hand in foil, so if you're really uncomfortable. I, you can, you you can try to catch it in your mouth. <laughs> well, it's usually because of catching your hand too, unless it's like. Oh, wait, no, it's probably not aluminum foil. I was thinking aluminum foil, in which case there'd be, like, all those weird aluminum foil crinkles that have, like, the spikes on them, and you'd be firing, like, essentially a real dangerous projectile. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the guy who's currently developing the narrative-based, <laughs> this is the weapon that you use. The hot dog Is a hot dog gun. Or it could be the t-shirt gun. In fact, just, just cancel the whole production, and just send me, like, a video of you <laughs> shooting somebody at close range with a hot dog gun. <laughs> that, that should just be used as test for the eventual narrative game. It can be, like, a Papers, Please style, like, choose your own... <laughs> hot dogs, <laughs> please! <laughs> yeah. Where you've, like, you have to pick between, you. like... The like the really sad eight year old and like the starving homeless. This, guy. Okay, this isn't papers, please. This is okay. this is beer tapper. Like that's a there's a guy. You're like that guy's hungry. You fire a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> no, in no situation are there both hot dogs and people living in squalor. Like, <laughs> hot dogs are such an unnecessary food. <laughs> Nobody's ever dropped a pack of ballparks <laughs> over, like, a, a third world country. <laughs> in, like, <laughs> in your hey, dimension. Cookies on your grills <laughs> that you don't have. Yeah. Put them in the microwave. Boil them in water. <laughs> That's like literally the only option, and everybody knows. Yeah, they're gross though. The, yeah, yeah, they're, they're disgusting. Hot, horrible. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah, even Limp Bizkit. Okay, think. Now we take a break. <laughs> Impressive, Star Fox. Now watch out for enemies in the asteroid field. I'm gonna subtly suggest I like seeing people in pig outfits. Welcome back. Uh, so, I was going through my notes uh, for the episode, and uh, one thing that I kept, like, verging on bringing up in the first half, but then we kept talking about, like, hot dog guns, uh, <laughs> was that Corneria is maybe, like, one of my favorite levels in video games. Whoa. Because it does, like, such a very good job of, like, being a first level without, like, being just, like, completely effortless or, like, a straight-up tutorial. I think the addition of the tutorial in the 3DS version is probably overall a good move. Oh, no, no, no. There is... This is actually interesting and is the exact one note... That I have. (laughs) (laughs) Is the tutorial you're referring to exists in both games. There's a tutorial in the N64, and the tutorial in the 3DS version was an exact recreation of it, point for point, including the weird raccoon guy never referenced anywhere ever again. Uh, But (laughs) they added one part, which is uh, after you beat the tutorial in the 3DS version, you go, there's now like a, an optional, yes or no, they, yeah, like, like the obstacle course. Obstacle course, yeah. yeah. Which I think it's it, a really interesting decision because in the vast majority of the time in the 3DS version, they just kept trying to recreate and upscale the game in the most faithful ways possible. So that makes all the, their departures really, really important. Like the fact that they added a save system, we now it can you know intuitively understand the importance of that and all the guest play stuff that they did. And of course, the most bullshit change that they changed Falco's line of dialogue from "Hey Einstein, I'm on your side" to "Hey genius, I'm on your side." It was like Einstein copyrighted. And I think it's to separate like the Star Fox universe from the <laughs> real world, because okay, presumably in a world where they're talking. Like falcons, they would speak uh, English. Obviously. That's speaking English, especially. <laughs> yeah. Einstein probably is not like knocking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I completely get that. Thank you for the explanation. Yeah, but still yeah. bullshit. Though. Well, yeah. Evidently, they thought the addition of like this obstacle course, which was like way harder than the obstacle course in the actual like training tutorial mission, mm-hmm. uh, was worth like just completely designing and implementing on its own. And going through the game again, I kind of agreed with that because. The you, the tutorial is like very slow and the pace you go through things you aren't really it's like assaulted with a whole lot of walls over and over again, uh, except for like when you're taught to use the brakes I guess yeah it's very open not to punish you but oftentimes when you're in the game since you're moving around like buildings and platforms lots of things that are in your way 
they thought that they needed to add that part to the, the tutorial. But still make it optional, which I find weird. It is kind of strange. I think they just did that so that people wouldn't bitch. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they just made the tutorial longer. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like I've like I've obviously played Star Fox a lot, right. and like I was like, well, hell yeah, I want to do your other thing. Yeah, but, but yeah, <laughs> I think just making tutorials optional is just the right way to go with tutorials. So yeah. I stand by that decision. Yeah. It's like the tutorial they made in the game was designed to teach you the buttons, and Corneria actually like taught you how to play the game. Right, Corneria is in like. I mean, I'll admit that I have a bias for levels that actually take place on planets. Like, those are just my favorite aesthetically. Uh, but, like, when I guess it, like, cause it showcases everything the game does really well. It allows you to, like, do all of these, like, fancy flying maneuvers. Like, you can, like, go through, like, the, the rock loops, and it immediately shows you a branching pathway if you do that. It, show, it has your teammates being attacked... Uh, which is, like, a main mechanic in the game. Uh, and, like, it just... Uh, there's a huge variety of enemies. So it shows, like, the enemy is changing the terrain actively. You changing the terrain by, like, blasting open the doors and, like, destroying rocks and things. Mm -hmm. uh, your flying mechanics, the teammate mechanics, gives you, like, your weapon power-ups, introduces you to bombs and rings. The yeah. utility of the lock-on early, which is right. a really good one. They show you... Like, literally the first encounter. Well, it's, it, it's split out in two parts, which is a thing that I really like, because that one half of it is designed to show you the utility of how lock-ons destroy multiple enemies when fired, and the other is that it shows you how good it is at hitting moving faraway targets when Slippy's getting chased by the other one. Right. Yeah, and, like, the first set of enemies that come in in the level are those, like, triangular dudes, and they roll in from the side, and there's the ones that come in in a straight line that you can just sort of, like, put your cursor on one mm -hmm. and fire, and it, like, basically, like, how you lead shots in the game. Yeah. And then the second set of them come in in, like, a, in a triangle formation, yeah. and then you can lock onto the first one and blow up multiple enemies. Yeah. It's just... It's so insanely well designed and is still fun to play even when you know the controls. Mm -hmm. Like, Corneria is just like a stellar example of how to do a first level. Yeah. Because they. In the scenarios in which you have, like, groups of units all packed together, it still provides a challenge because the new player, if they don't understand the lock on mechanics or just aren't actively trying to be efficient in that way, can just spam A and just try and hit all of them, and they have the challenge of multiple targets. Right. But when you play the game a bunch, you can go for the, like, lock-on, one-shot kill as an additional challenge, personally. Right. Yeah. It's... Uh, man. Yeah. What a good level. <laughs> and it, it also introduces you early and immediately for, like, the split-path stuff. Mm -hmm. Albeit, I find it weird that they didn't, like, call it out in any significant way. Because it's not a secret in terms of the menu. Like, you just look... Uh, when you're in the game, and you can see all the planets in the star system, whether you've been to them or not. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing to call out. Like, you have to go underneath these rock formations. They kind of hint at it, I think. They put rings. They put a ring under the first one. And then as soon as you do it, Falco says, Smooth, Smooth flying, Fox. To encourage you to keep doing it. Right. Plus the, like, the... Really weird and, like, strangely only used in this area water skiing robot enemies <laughs> uh, that, like, go through are, like, you can only hit them if you go through 
the the rock things without like veering weirdly around and like doing. Yeah, like so they do it through the level design once again. Yeah, yeah, you guys. Yeah, you've convinced me on this. I I hadn't considered those things. They don't make it explicit. They don't just like tell you that that, that there are like other paths. That's uh, they I think keep that's them the right secret call. while still incentivizing. It. Yeah, and they so still it feels let like you. A thing that you found. Yeah, they still let you know they exist. Yeah. So like you see that there's other paths and you want to go back and find out how to get to them. Yep. And yeah, and they always and they like to indicate the existence of the pathways with your teammates, which one gives you an incentive to keep them alive, uh, and <laughs> which really there's very little incentive yeah. to keep them alive. They, they just needed annoy. that incentive really bad. <laughs> uh, but then in addition to that, well, I mean, the other incentive, like their mechanical purpose, is in all range mode areas. They can they help fight enemies, yeah. but they don't actually do anything in the on-rails portions, except for if particular people are alive at particular times, they will either call something out, or, like uh, in Medias, if Falco is still alive, then there's a like a rock that he'll shoot that has a gold ring in it. Yeah, it's all contextual yeah. in the on-rails sections. Yeah, but other than that, like, they're literally just all they do is talk to you. Which is great. <laughs> Slippy gives you boss health bars. Yeah. Because I needed an even further incentive for you to not murder Slippy at every opportunity. Now, okay. Mm. I want, I desperately want to sag into the hotly anticipated debate. But this is a good segue into the into voice, the voice acting, acting, acting as well. Yeah. Let's just do that. Alright. Yeah. We choose the voice act path and we'll leave the other path <laughs> for our next playthrough of yeah. this podcast. Uh, so the voice acting is really good amazingly in both versions. Like, they re-recorded the audio for the 3DS version. Yeah. And, the and it sounds like exactly the same. <laughs> no, it's It's crazy. impressive. Yeah. It's exactly the same as in... Yeah. Not, it's you know, really, really close. Really close. Yeah. And Very faithful. Speaking as someone who really enjoys his Star Fox 64, <laughs> uh, I always found that Fox's more nasally voice in the 3DS version grating. Uh, unfortunately, Fox does not talk, talk very much. much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that, that speaks the least. Like, I like the thing that I like about the voice acting, which you mentioned is very uh, not Nintendo thing to do. Yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting things about it. Is like, I wonder why that decision was made. Mm. Yeah, but it do, it drives home like even subtly. Cause I actually like had to sit and think about it. You, if this I was is thinking going to the they thing. probably felt like they had to. Because you wouldn't want to take your eyes off what you were doing. It's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't want to make, force you to read the text, but they did want to still keep the convenience of text if you misunderstood what a character was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I was actually, because I was thinking about that, um, a lot of times, I play games at work uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> and typically when I'm playing a game... Uh, like, on my 3DS at work, I usually am listening to, like, a podcast at the same time. So I have the volume off, and I'm listening to something else, and I'm going through... Because I'm usually playing something like Monster Hunter, or, like, a Mario game. Where it's something that, like, I don't really need the the sound to enjoy myself. But with Star Fox, I was completely incapable of doing that. Sound cues are so important, and, like, having the characters talk and not have to read the dialogue is, like... 
<laughs> like, that's life or death. Because, like, if you're, like, distracted by something, like, visually, you're just going to wreck into seven consecutive walls <laughs> and blow off both your wings. Yeah. And that's not what you want, uh, generally. So, yeah. Very good that they voice acted this game. But, um, no, what I was saying before is that, like, I had to think about this. So it's not, like, really explicit, yeah. but, like, the voice acting does a good job of sort of driving home, like, the personalities of the characters and what specifically they do, like, what purpose they serve on the team. Because, mm-hmm. like, Slippy is, is like, the tech okay. guy. Like, he invented the Landmaster and the... Blue the deep, Marine. The Blue Marine. Yep. Uh, d- like, analyzes bosses and, like, displays a health bar. And is like obviously the most inexperienced pilot. Like Slippy is constantly right. being attacked, like he's, way more yeah, than the others. He's the engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Slippy. Slippy gets like captured <laughs> at one point. Like gets cocky and like goes in, uh, and then you always have to save her. Ah! Him. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Peppy is the veteran, uh, and he always gives you like tactical advice. So he'll tell you like where to aim on a boss, like what maneuvers to pull up in what situations. Like gives you suggestions. And then Falco is, like, he's the best pilot, mm. barring you, unless you're 12. Uh, <laughs> or, like, 7. When I played this game, it was just like, uh, game. Like, just bash the controller against the ground. I don't even know how I beat this game as a child. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, and, and Falco's, like, obviously... And Falco's the most heavily characterized yeah. of all of them. He's, like, the roguish one. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, none of that would come across in a typical game where you just have, like, squad mates. Yeah. yeah. And Cat's sort of like a weird, sexist background. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about Cat. <laughs> we can talk about Bill. Yeah, Bill! Woo! <laughs> 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 yeah, that's about all I have to say. Bill Woo. He's the American Bill, guy, basically. <laughs> like, <Ugh>. yeah. <laughs> I like the addition of, like, the level, like, specific companion characters. Yeah. It adds to, like, the replay value. And the, the VO'd uh, bosses. Oh, yeah. Also yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, particular... Oh, man. No, not even particular. They're all fucking good. The only one that's not, like, really well voice acted is... Uh, oh, that's Rob- something that I wanted to touch on. Robot. Um, I like that this game, like, kind of, like, walks a line of, like... I wouldn't necessarily call it good voice acting, like Chad would, but it's not, like... It, it's good because it's bad either. Like, it's really campy, and mm. it works. Yeah. This is, like... I'm trying to, to figure out how to, like, word this. Yeah, I'm trying to th- think of how to describe it as well. Because Star Fox's aesthetic is not self-serious, but it plays itself like it is, like a seriously, like, considered narrative. Hey, what? Man. Well, I mean, like, the game it doesn't, like... At no point in the game are you going through the game... Or you're going through it, and it, like... Dry, like... There's no, like, Jokes. exceptional... Not, yeah, it's not inherently funny. It's just... They're, li- like, one-off lines. But it's all believable within the world of Star Fox. But it's not going for, like, an immersive experience. It wants to be, like, a 70s sci-fi movie. Like, that's kind of how I... Yeah. Yeah, I like agree. the narrative. It's, yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel self-important about its narrative, but it's not overly jokey. I always thought the voice acting was good, but the script was bad. 
the script is so quotable. Yeah. Like, it's Like I say, yeah, it's campy. Yeah. But I think it works. So I wouldn't call it bad. But I wouldn't call it good. <laughs> if this game came out today, I feel like it would end up with, like, Undertale levels of, like, memeing. Because, oh, like, yeah. do a barrel roll has persisted. Yep. But, like, if this had come out, like, just, like, you know there'd be, like, in posts on Reddit of just, like, just, like, a regular thing of people just saying, like, peppy hairlines. Yeah. yeah. Like, it would just be, it, it's, that's just, like, how this game is written. It's, it's, it's not stilted, because, like, you're not expecting the characters to have a conversation, but, like, because everything is forced to be a one-liner, everything has that, like, kind of out-of-context weirdness about it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. It's equally hard to phrase like that. The game also taught me how many varieties of, like, kind of douchey enemy evil space pilot there can be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of room for some minor variations in, like, Captain Guy who gargles and is a jerk. Yeah. I was, and they all wear that, like, Andros hat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just an A on the <laughs> The, uh, the guy, the, like, commander of the fleet, I guess. Which fleet? In, uh, well, like, uh, presumably, like, the whole, in the Venom airspace level. Venom 2, okay. Yeah. There's a level, the level before that, that leads to Venom 2. Yeah. With, with, uh, it. I don't remember what the name of the... The, the circular is. boss? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that leads straight into it. There's no... You don't go through the menus on the game. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> like, that guy is arguably, like, my favorite character in this game. <laughs> just because of, like, how... That like, guy. <laughs> that guy is so great. Just from, like, a uh, when you're playing through the level and, like, him being like, oh, these guys are... Is like the, uh, the, they send, like, some people, like, he says something calmly about it. And then, like, you, you get through the first line, he's like, oh, these guys are good. Like, they're better than I thought they were. And then, like, by the end, he's like, they're crazy! Release it now! <laughs> so just to be clear, not his sidekick guy. You don't enjoy him at all. They're yeah. like, I'm through the second line! Uh, well, that's great, also. <laughs> Just uh, everything that is said in that level is hilarious on, like, a higher plane than I'm used to. Well, wrap up comedy now. Yeah, comedy solved in 1997 with that dude yelling in Starbucks 64. God. So as we're talking about uh, level design... Originally, you're talking about Corneria. Yeah. Um, if you take the branching path of Corneria, you go through Sector X, I think? Y. Sector Y. Sector Y. Y. Oh, Sector X is the one where Slippy can get knocked to Titania, yeah. and Sector Z is one of the missiles. Yeah. No, I need to come back to Sector X. All right. We can talk about Sector X now, and we can make a literal progression <laughs> through to where we need to get to. Okay, fine. My weird thing uh, in Sector X is that I think it's, like, just tonally out of nowhere with, like, every other level in the series. Everything is camp, start to finish in, like, his bad sci-fi movie state. But there's, like, a robot who's having, like, an existential crisis about its creator out of nowhere. Wait, that's Sector Y. 
No, that's X. That's X? X is the one with the with the robot where Slippy knocks away Slippy into Titania. Is that the one? Is Sector X the one then? That Sector Y the... is level two if yeah. you take the hard path. Yes. Sector Y is so two Sector, Sector X is all the one the after Medius, after Zonus? Or no, no, Zonus no, is the no, God, he's lettered Zonus. I think Sector X is on the middle path. No. No. It's not? Is it on the bottom? Sector X is on the easy. Both okay, Y so and Z are on, on the hard path. path. Yeah. People on the internet are screaming at us yep. with our yeah. letters. We things. don't know anything. But yeah. if you, none of that's relevant. What is relevant is that there is a level in this game in which like every other character is doing like campy fun things, and there's a robot that's like, what is my purpose? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the creator and then you kill it. Destroy it. Destroy it. You put it out of its misery. Dude, I am not even joking. And you guys know that, like, I don't generally get into, like, lore. And of all games (laughs) to do this with, Star Fox does not seem like the one. That robot put me off so much. Like, when I played it the most recent time, I was like, I have to Google this. (laughs) Like, I have to know. And, like, apparently the consensus is just, like, it was a thing that they were working on and they gave up. Like, yeah. there's no explanation. There's nothing at all. The robot's just like, the creator, destroy, <laughs> alert. See, I don't remember that, because I always avoid the easy path. Yeah, I know, it's, the, the, all of the easy stuff gets done with it. It's also, also avoidable if you go through the warp, too, because there's uh, the, where you shoot yeah. the panels. Or if level. you're awful and let Star Wolf uh, blow up the... the oh, the base yeah. on a... It's another good level. Because... Uh, the one thing that I don't like about like level progression in this game is that I don't like Star Wolf only shows up at the end of Venom Two, so that as robots, in the hard path, yeah. yeah, and they go like, our ships are way better this time. Yeah, it's like, th- what do you mean this time? Yeah. I think they just I think, really don't expect you to go the hard path. Yeah, I think yeah, they're banking on the fact that you'll have not gone the hard path. But it's not even it doesn't it's not even a matter of first time because it's not like the narrative is in line from the other paths. Right. Yeah, they're just they're just we're robots with awesome ships this time, and everyone else in the Star Fox team is like, what? Okay, oh right. Well, I guess it's implied that the two like groups have a history. Together. Yeah, a history to... in which you shot them down every time. Yeah, yeah. you okay. have to like do your research on this because like ne- like without the context of like what happened before the game a lot of the lines that Star Wolf like say don't make any sense at all like n- you don't know assuming that the first time you encounter Star Wolf is Venom 2 yeah. you don't know that Andrew is Andros's nephew like you don't know that Pigma Dengar betrayed Star Fox and was in fact like oh yes you know that it's in the opening cutscene of the game it is in the opening oh the pigma dengar part yeah, yeah. right it's all, it does it say explicitly that he kills your father he says pigma betrayed the team right and pigma tells you in that fight yeah, that he killed he, your father he goes yeah. your daddy screamed real good before he died <laughs> <laughs> which is like the most heinous line of dialogue <laughs> in a like ka rated game <laughs> this is rated e10 plus that's the 3ds version the yeah. n64 yeah. was still using the uh that's what they added like allusions to drugs in some lines right. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's just like it's so like Pigma Dengar is a fucked up character I think in the game like worse than Andros because like yeah. Andros is like a power hungry dude 
like that has military might. Baby Dengar is like a straight psychopath. Yeah, like he just enjoys murdering for the sake of murder. He's a goddamn monster. Dude, Andros, all Andros is is a video game boss. That's all he was ever even intended to be. Yeah. Because you get there, and he is just now... a disembodied head. Yeah. The size of, like, like, a, like almost the Great Fox. Yeah. yeah. Like, the He's size massive. of a large starship. Yeah. And weirdly, because, like, when you play it the first time, and by the first time, I mean the time that you are bad and don't go to Venom 2. Yeah. You are given the implication that, like... You blow him up, and he's a robot, and then you kill the robot, and the real Andros is somewhere else. But then the true form path reveals that Andros really is a huge head (laughs) with a big, still sentient, moving around brain and two eyeballs. Yeah, because I didn't actually get... Well, when you get to the end, like the very last cutscene, like he appears like ominously in the sky, you get that, like, that's the implication he's still around. But I just thought... At the time, that it was like, oh, he just put his brain in a giant death robot, like mad scientists do. Right. But right. then that reasonable explanation for the giant head with robot hands is gone. Well, in, yeah. Uh, Apparently, the hands are no still more, robotic. Yeah. There's yeah. no more like yeah, man behind the curtain thing. It's yeah. just he's just a giant robot. Head. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like I have no specific memory of this, but like I can't imagine not being like deeply upset. Like the first time I got to Venom Two, and like. I got to the point where normally it would reveal his robot head and he starts shaking his face and fucking David Cronenberg body horror <laughs> fucking skin rips off and he just becomes a brain. Like, that's so fucked up. Like, on so seems, many levels. It just seems tropey enough for me. I'm okay with it. It feels... Like, oh no, evil brain creature. It feels yeah. very N64. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, I guess in context of the game, it doesn't, it's not, like, super out of line. Oh. But it still seems so unexpected. <laughs> yeah, we have a little, another important feature is that he is a brain that can teleport. Yeah, well, that is a, Which is a like, video game. Dis- That's a video yeah. game, like, understatement. He can disconnect like. his eyes. <laughs> and they fly around, and they shoot lasers that move very slowly. Like, they have the worst offensive capabilities ever. Uh, and then, like, his weird... His yeah. brain has tentacles, which presumably are like... Wh- fuck, what? What does a brain have? <laughs> that's like that's like the, the spinal connections. Like, like the, the nerves. nerves yeah. like squid tentacles. But they can rip out your wings. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Alright. Established. Yeah. Uh, thing I find weird... <laughs> Uh, that not... none of that was weird. Yeah. But what I do the thing weird. that I find weird is not the robot having an existential crisis, not the giant ape face that becomes a sentient floating brain, but this third thing. No, this is a game design weird thing, which is that there's not there's no medium difficulty venom level. That is a little bit because there are three like distinct paths. Yeah, that you can cross. It's like a really short yeah. and the uh, sort of like branching intermediary. Yeah, I find it weird that they just did not... That that was never even, like, a considered option. Well, I guess it could have been a considered option and just got cut for time or something. Yeah. But... Maybe that would explain the, uh... Golemek boss. I always like the Golemek boss. I, I like that boss. Yeah, I like it. Like, I like it, at least, aesthetically. It's just a mash fest. 
like, gameplay-wise. Oh! Just JMA. Only if you're really good at mashing. When I was a kid and was not good at mashing, uh, it was a really cool, like, dodgy... It's, I assume, where they got the idea for the, like, bonus tutorial. Oh, yeah. It's like, the hallway with the yeah, things that you yeah. press. I always found that it was a challenge that had never existed before in the game that was, like, thread this specific needle right mm. now over and over again. So I always... I never encountered it because I never, ever fought the, like, Venom 1 boss. But... The, Ven- well, the Venom 1, uh, like... I don't know, you look the trenches. I, I can't... No, there actually are trenches in Venom 1. The canyons. Not the canyons, though. I'm talking about the like the pipeline that goes to where... Andrew oh, yeah, is, like... The, the is even core. more interesting than the other version. Because it has, like, the, the horizontal... Uh, like barriers and then like the closing door and opening doors. Oh, I always forgot about that. Yeah, so uh, like yeah. it actually there's like something to do there. In Venom Two, it's just a dogfight, an expositional scene where you just choose left or right, and then the boss battle. Like Venom One is such like a like legitimately very interesting level, and even has like the big beam at the end that all three ships come in and blow up. Uh, like, that gives right. you, like, I don't know. It's just such a cool level, and it seems like Venom 2 is almost disappointing. Then the brain maybe, just, like, kicks you Maybe right it's, like, a narrative explanation, where it's, like, Venom 1 was supposed to be the decoy and the one you were supposed to go to, and they didn't think you were going to show up on Venom 2. I, I think like that's actually Wolf true. Fight in, Venom, in Venom 2. Oh, yeah. And I the what that. fight? The Star Wolf fight. Oh, yeah, Venom that's two. pretty cool. That's why I feel like the multiplayer of Star Fox should have been good. <laughs> because the idea of, like... Dog like, fights. doing a dogfight with somebody who is at least, like, moderately as good as you was a really cool concept and, like, a cool thing to do. I just, I think the problem there is that a lot of the mechanics of, like, Star Fox in all range mode don't have a whole lot of room for optimization. Mm. You can, like, move around in different directions, but the ways in which you can move are very controlled, like your maximum turn radius and the kind of control you have and the way that you do the little spins to block lasers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're making a comparison, for example, to Splatoon and, like, its movement mechanics when you're going around and doing things... Nobody has ever done this before. <laughs> of course. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of crazy, unique things you can do within the context of that game to move faster than another comparable and experienced person. Right. And that does not exist at all in the context of Star Fox. You have a boost, you have a set amount of time you can boost, and you have like ways, like a button you press to turn faster. Right. Yeah, well I mean, and it, it is fun in the context of the game, but this is why I feel like I guess maybe I just was too young and played it with people who were not very good, or I wasn't very good, or some combination thereof. But like, the, what, like, the multiplayer dogfighting just seems like it would be fun because the other person is not a computer. Yeah. Like, because they can use those same moves, and it's not just, like, go this way until somebody's following you, do a somersault, shoot them, repeat. Yeah. Like, where, like, it kind of boils down to that, like, heuristic, but in, uh, in the, well, I don't know. I, mean, I can't say because we weren't able to play... The multiplayer, yeah, it's, it's my yeah, fault. It's I have a lot of really good memories of that multiplayer mode, though. But what I wish I had good memories of was the assault multiplayer mode that I actually had fun with. Because I wish I had something to compare the mechanical differences to. Mm-hmm. I, probably in assault, it was like variety of weapon forms and different ways you could approach things. Because you could like have different ships, pick different weapons, and things had like comparable, you know, goods and bads over each other. Except for everyone having exactly the same abilities, and those abilities not having a whole lot of variance in how good you can get it using. But 
in the Star Fox 64 multiplayer mode, um, I just mostly remember me being like the big fish in a small pod, kid eight-year-old on the block, running around with like, as like, you know, peppy hair sprinting on the ground with arm <laughs> and firing things into the air. Because I, I knew how to like lead shots and no one else knew how to lead shots, so... So you just get to be, like, ruler of the day? Yes. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, I think that we've tab danced around it long enough at this yep. point. We talked about, like, every level. Uh, <laughs> except. Except for Aquas and Solar. We didn't actually talk about every level. Please don't send me an email. <laughs> it was like, you didn't go in-depth on Zonus. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't like shooting fucking searchlights. Yeah, Zonus is fine. Almost pretty much every other level I, we talked about is I also fine, like because they yeah. often fall into the like the standard rail mechanics you already talked about, where you shoot specific things at specific times, and whatever. Mm. It's time for the weird ones. Yeah. All right. So, we had a debate. We didn't have the debate, necessarily. We preempted a debate. Right. Uh... Because I was, I sent a text to our uh, podcast group text that is ongoing, of course, uh, <laughs> complaining about my least favorite station in this game, Aquas. Uh, Which I replied to with, it's not as bad as the Landmaster or the Sun level. And Solar is one of, it's at least in my top four favorite levels in the game. Yeah. Because I said earlier that I have a preferred path, which is the hard path. Uh, and it's not because I think I'm badass and can only do the top <laughs> path. It's the only path that has a level that I don't hate. Is why I hate, it's my preferred path. I hate solar and I hate the landmaster levels. Right, so you can so avoid So I avoid bottom and middle path, mm-hmm. always. So, <laughs> Showdown 2016. Uh, like with the puppet Ganon... Fight. Oh God. <laughs> do you want? Do you want to present first, or uh, do you I want can me to because first? I feel like you're going to go way more in depth. Oh man, so. I get to mediate too. Yeah. Um, I'll defend. Well, I you feel like you're way more prepared for this because <laughs> you are going to list off why you think solar is a good level. That's see, that's the thing that I am prepared for. I really have only a little bit of like. Hatred for okay, uh, specific hatred for Aquas. I have reasons. But. I don't like love Aquas, right? But I I think it's a fine level, and I like the Blue Marine as an alternate vehicle because it controls mostly the same as the R wing. It's a bit slower and not as precise, I guess, and it's turning movement. And, you know, yeah. its movement. But it's basically the same. It's like the same language you've been playing the rest of the game with. And I just don't think it's that hard or that frustrating. Like, it's just... It's a nice change of scenery. I think it's totally fine. (laughs) Whereas with Solar, for me, is a level that, like, if I, like, mess up and end up on that path, I just start over. (laughs) I don't think I've ever finished that level. I hate it that much. Uh, See, that's, I think, a key thing, and I'm not gonna... Like, I'm not gonna use it as points in the debate, but I do want to talk about the final boss of Solar because it's one of my favorite... It might be my favorite boss in the game. Um, but with Aquas, I actually don't have anything against the Blue Marine as, like, a vehicle. I think that it's mo- it's largely fine. The issue that I take is that the level itself is just super dark. 
And so the way that you have to navigate the level is just by constantly spamming torpedoes. So you fire the torpedoes to light the path, and then they explode on something. But there are also tons of enemies that are only, like, damageable by torpedoes. So what always ends up happening is that you lock on to an enemy that you have to kill with the torpedo and fire it, and then the torpedo just, like, goes out toward that enemy, and, like, it's swimming around and doing its thing, and then you can't see anything except for, like, this one area way off in the distance. I don't think it makes the level hard, but it's certainly not fun just coasting forward and, like, just jamming A for a while. I don't think that it's hard to see in that level. Man, I... In my... Like, I thought the game was, like, just pitch black no, if you no. don't have the... Not even no. Like, I don't... I don't I, no, I mean, it actively... I just played it. it. I legitimately cannot see without the torpedoes on screen. What? What? It might... Maybe... I have my DS, like... I guarantee settings you, I can, to yeah, the lowest that, um, I can beat that level without ever using a torpedo. Yeah, like, same here. I don't... I, I rarely use torpedoes in that level. Lots of enemies are bioluminescent. Lots of enemies have their own light sources. The white pillar components are, like, completely, like, self-lit areas. Well, the white pillars disappear at the midway point of the level. And a lot of the actual things on the ground also are white and right. are thus I mean, yeah, it is supposed to be darker, but it is not even close to too dark. Yeah. yeah. To I honestly, it. like, would get hit by things that I did not see and that, like, physically run into things that I did not see while playing that level. Yeah, uh, you probably just have your brightness down way too far. And my DS brightness is on the lowest setting at all times. Dude, so. something, something weird is wrong here, even with your eyes <laughs> or your... DS and or its settings, because I mean, it's just I mean, I'm not, not saying that there's just it, nothing on screen. It is not it's catacombs, just, is what I'm telling you. Uh, it is not anywhere close to that. It is just a dark level, and like the only time it's the level I think explicitly has the challenge you're talking about, where it's like use the missiles so you can see and not hit a thing in the environment, are uh, when the rocks fall in the ravines. Right. That's an explicit time where they try and do that. That's never supposed to be a challenge to anyone at any other point in the level. Huh. I always found the darkness to be, like, really, like, impeding and huh. annoying. Well, I think we found the reason why Chad <laughs> hates Aqua so much. Yeah. But now we can discuss the reason that you hate Solar so much. So much that you've never finished it. <laughs> uh, uh, the fact that your health drains the whole time and just it's just incredibly frustrating. Like, I don't know if I ever even make it to the halfway point without dying. You can control it. I know, you have to get the rings. No, you can go to the top of the screen and lose health less fast. Right, but you still are draining health. Well, yeah, but it's not at the rate you're talking about. It's like, it's not the, it, it's not a fun challenge, is like what it boils down to for me. I just find it frustrating. See, I think, and if you'll excuse the pun, moderator, uh, that it is a really cool mechanic. Uh, no, I, I, get, I, know exactly, I know exactly where you're going to go with this. It's mm. like the way that like it challenges your skills of the game. In a way that like other levels don't, and you really like that, which is totally, totally acceptable. I don't think you're wrong or anything. It just I find the challenge incredibly unfun and frustrating. Well, I don't think that it's. I don't want to say that it's necessarily like a strictly like very skill based. Like it's not skill based in the way that because like you can't miss any of the rings. You can miss oh, yeah. like rings, yeah. Well, you can. it helps a lot, I guess, if you like come in with at least one or two gold rings, like sure. stocked, so that you have more health. But uh, like I don't know the the 
main annoyance that I have with that is the fact that it also drains your teammates' health. So, like, it's less forgiving, like, going into subsequent levels. If they get hit a few times, they're more likely to die if you've been through solar. I agree with that. But, uh, largely I think that the, the, like, the mechanic of wanting to keep you at the top of the screen and also wanting you to hit the projectiles and enemies actively to stay alive. So you're not just avoiding things, but you're, like, actually aiming at them is cool. And I like that level a lot because of that, but <laughs> the main reason that this is one of my favorite levels is largely an aesthetic one. Because I actually, I love the, like, sun level design. Yeah, I think it looks cool. It looks very cool. I love the waves of lava, and I very much love the bioweapon, the, like, the boss of that uh, stage. Because he's just really, he looks terrifying. Like, he's this, like, Hot monster. <laughs> he's a hot. He's monster. a hot monster. Chad terrified he's like, by hot. He's fans. like yeah. molten rock man. Yeah, mantis. Mantis. Yeah, he's this huge. Rock yeah, maybe it's an arm. Aim for the arm. Uh, yeah, and like you, when you blow off his arm, he just like spews lava out of it. And uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally grant you that yeah. the level looks cool. Yeah, just, well, looks very cool. Is very hot. The kind of. At least speaking personally, the things that I normally use to gauge whether or, or predict whether or not I think a challenge is like frustrating instead of the kind of challenges that we normally come to video games for is on two axes. Whether or not you can like actually meaningfully interact with the thing that's posing the challenge to you. Like whether there's something, you, there's a large room between whether you can do something right or wrong at any given time and how punishing it is if you don't do whatever prescribed thing it's expecting you to do in the scenario. Right. And it is... I have, and I've got to admit that in the context of solar, it is more narrow on both of those axes. If you don't understand, for example, that going up to the top of the screen drains your health way, way less fast than the bottom, you will die fast. Well, they explicitly say it at the beginning of the stage. Agreed. I guess presumably you could also go in with no teammates and not know. Right, but my, my point is only not that things aren't said to you or that you don't know what to do, it's just that it's very punishing if you do it wrong. True. And additionally, even though you can mitigate the amount of damage you take so much that it's like only the, the like tiniest sliver of passive things, it's still continuous. Right. It's That's the one that I'm more okay with, because it's more of a pressure than like constantly being hit. It just It's prescribing a time limit which you have to find a ring again. And because the level is so... Because there's so few enemies on the solar level, and most of them are just like things coming to physically hit you from great distances. Yeah, it's you get like physical things in the waves of lava and rocks, and then you have cool firebirds. Right. Yeah. It's it means that you're not like because in our normal circumstances, if you had a level like that where your health was constantly draining, it would be really frustrating when enemies like fire like regular laser shots on you and and get hit because it's harder to like dodge and interact with those. Right. Because it's easier to dodge and interact with the enemies it makes that a less frustrating experience. I think they managed the like how the, the game interacts with you as your health is decreasing sort of mechanically well, but I can concede that on both axes it is more frustrating than a lot of like other possible mechanical challenges. Like there's no way that you can go through the solar level perfectly, right, for right. example. So I really do think I'm medium here. So, 
<laughs> so I'm curious. What do you have any thoughts on the Blue Marine as like a as a thing? The, I mean, the Blue Marine itself. I don't want to go on record saying that I aesthetically like when I can see it. Aquas as well because I just like underwater things and they're you huge do like underwater underwater fish levels. and shit, which yeah. is cool. Uh, but yes, like Aquas is a level that's less supposed to be about like your like actual reaction time skills with the game and more about management. Like the reason that you have uh, like an infinite number of torpedoes, uh, but the torpedoes have like a specific like light function that bring you that assistance, and they they're all lock on torpedoes. Yeah, uh, and they shoot slower too. Right, yes. and that there are so many enemies that can only be killed by the torpedoes is because of what they're trying to force you to do is a they give you the time to sit back and think about all the things that are coming to approach you from like great distances, but you only get more of that time to think if you use the torpedoes intelligently, and then. Because you can control with your reticule like what things the torpedoes lock onto, they aren't like video game 100% automatic. They're trying to also to force you to manage where your reticule is pointing on the screen at any time, right. so that you can be very deliberate, fire the infinite torpedoes you have at those specific things that are having to worry about them, and shoot at the, and shoot at the other things that your regular lasers can deal with. I don't think it was executed that well. Because it often just gets into a spam fest where you just go back and forth over and over again, and it's possible for you to like beat the level and not really be in trouble by just constantly trying to have the light. And there's enough margin for error that if you torpedo everything that shouldn't be torpedoed, and that you can just, you know even not dodge or care enough about the other things that are still alive, they're not threatening enough to you to punish you if you don't manage things well. Right. So I think yeah, it's a the fine only enemy level the, in that level that I feel like is. Like, the one that requires you to manage everything properly in order to deal with are, like, the little guys who drop in and then explode. Yeah. Because they have a tendency to just kind of, like, overwhelm you. Like, you get, like, too many of them on screen, and then you just, like... Yeah, they take up such a huge portion of the screen. The yeah, boss fits boss in with this theme as well, since so many... All the portions I of the like boss... The, the boss is cool! Yeah, the clan. Like, just... Yeah. And, like, all the bosses in this game are cool. Yeah. I think we can yeah. agree on that. Yeah. Both bio <laughs> weapons are cool. But yeah. The... It, because all the things that are important require you... You have to shift, for example, with the actual like clam tendons between lasers and the missiles. Mm. And later you have to manage constantly shooting the little balls that only exist to get in your way and be annoying. Yeah. Like, even the boss continues to force home like the weird like management structure of like when you fire missiles and where you fire lasers. Right. So I, I think that was designed well as well. Maybe my issue with uh, Aquas is just that I'm not... Managing my torpedo firing well enough. But like I said, they're before, not saying things are immediately in front of me or invisible. It's just not being able to see into the distance. It's such a hindrance. Yeah, I don't know. you can just spam that level and be fine. In which case, it becomes sort of like a, re- a weird reward for getting a high enough score on the previous one. I also find that a weird choice. That and all that. I mean, all the others. Of course, they're arbitrary. Like, oh, you go through enough of the Ring. You know, under th- yeah. uh, under rings. Now you can go through this new secret path, but. It's those other situations were arbitrarily from were arbitrary from the perspective of like the game itself, like the actual individual levels that you're in. Uh, but this is just it's based upon like an abstracted thing. Yeah, it's just like shoot this number of enemies down, and you can now go to this level. Yeah, like General Pepper is like in Great Fox, just like tallying up, like yeah. oh one more, one more. <laughs> I never liked that. They yeah. they had been so good through, through the rest of the game. 
sort of specifying these like cool secret conditions in order for you to get through. But just like killing enough things, I don't find interesting. And you don't have to do anything different. If you were good enough at the game, you would never even know it was a secret. Yeah, I, I feel like that one is also the one that isn't like telegraphed. And it, nobody tells you like. Fuck, see how many guys you could murder. <laughs> Any more than they would already... You know, if they did, how would you differentiate those things? Right. It would be like... He would have to literally be like... don't let any of them through! Take out the entire says. Yeah. 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 Like, if that line, if, if don't let any of them through was supposed to be your hint that you're supposed to shoot a lot of them, it's nowhere near clear enough for you to be able to know that it's anything secret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if he had said, like, shoot at least a hundred of them, yeah. <laughs> it would just come up as really strange. <laughs> It's like Pepper, what? Sector Y, you get the the prompt to uh, deal with the entire fleet. Oh, yeah. What? You're oh, not, you, you're, you're told. No, Y is the one we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah that's y. the second level yeah. in the hard path. You're told to deal with the whole fleet? Yeah, it's, it's a condition to continue the hard path. It's just like you're supposed to take out the entire, like, upcoming fleet, is like the task you have to accomplish to go to the next level in the hard path. I'm sorry, I'm confused. Isn't that not what we're just talking about? Because it's just it, it is factually just like a set number to get to Aquas. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. not the whole fleet. I suppose. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would be impossible. Because like what we mentioned before, it's like impossible but to But I'm, I'm saying, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm saying past, that's yeah. like yeah. more obvious encouragement mm. yeah, to I mean, accomplish that goal. But it's not a different goal. You, you already have that goal. Right. Yeah. That's what I don't like. Every uh, every other thing requires something different to have transpired. Can't play Aquas in a pacifist star fight. <laughs> even, even in scenarios in which it seems like at first that wouldn't be the case, like with the robot, mm-hmm. uh, it, like in the robot's case specifically, you, you're, you go to the secret level, you go to the train level by uh, killing it before it can hit Slippy. The, okay. Yeah. yeah. But like... Unless you know that and focus on it, it's going to hit slippy every time. So you, it's already like a, a, a secret thing that you do the next playthrough right. with the context of that knowledge. I love that particular one, by the way, because I don't like Macbeth very much, and I like Titania. And so it's like, and I also hate Slippy. So all, all the pieces just kind of fell into place. So it's just like, <laughs> go to that level and be like... Yes! <laughs> Go get him, Slimmy! <laughs> wow, was there even like a single boss in this game that like didn't land? Uh, I didn't. I don't personally like the sector wide like mechs. Uh, yeah, the mechs are kind of annoying. They just it, they're dodgy. They're really dodgy. Yeah, my my main issue with them is just the fact that they don't feel right. Like, cause they're just like, <laughs> they just don't feel right. <laughs> like in the game, like cause they're like what they're too. Effectively, they're dudes in big suits. Yeah, they're just they're just Gundams more camp. That's all fight. it is. It's just I, yeah, camp. Uh, it's just like the fact that it's just because like all the other ones like, okay, if you're gonna be a dude in a big suit, yeah, do you want like a roughly twice your size robot suit, or do you want like the huge robot with the missile launcher? Uh, yeah. This like, just Cornaria, comes down to Chad's like, preference of I'd rather fight a huge monster. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is why I like Solar and Aquas's boss. <laughs> I, I just my problem with that fight is the turn radius. It's always hard. Like they are always like circling around yeah. you, and you're like, stop. <laughs> you're just like, always <laughs> slightly not tight enough on the turn. Yeah, yeah. No, it took like this most recent time. I like kept forgetting that there were two, and I just kept being like, oh, this one guy is like so fast. 
Dude, that, that's, a, that's actually something weird I never thought about before. Because they could have hypothetically lowered your turn radius a whole lot, right? Yeah. I guess they were trying to add more utility to the, like, turn around back maneuver yeah. than you can do. I guess. Because that would have also made the multiplayer better, right? If you had if you had more leeway for how fast you could turn. Because mm-hmm. you don't. Well, yeah, it's literally just on-off. Like, you yeah. have turn and fast turn. Yeah. And then I guess barrel rolls move you horizontally faster than the fast turn, but only in the, the rail Don't seconds. quote me on this. I think it's exactly the same as just holding down the button and going sideways. It's possible. Yeah. It feels better, though. Yeah, it, it does. It's, I think it's objectively better if it is you're the also same because lasers. you're invisible. You're invisible, yeah. yeah. Well, not invincible. You can still run into rocks, as I've discovered. And there's like a one-second period where you can get by lasers. And yeah. like, you know, like, the before and after, yeah. That's the, like Star Fox strats. Yeah, this has become a strategy, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, think every everything I can remember landed. I like just going through them in order. I like both Corneria bosses as like introductory bosses to the game. I liked the like surprise flip boss where it requires specific shooting in the asteroid level. I liked uh, all the Star uh, Wolf fights because they're such a big difference in kind from the other things you fight, with the exception of the aforementioned sort of next we were talking about in Sexter Y. Right. I like the robot fight, mostly but just because of how weird it is at the time. Uh, we already talked about how cool the fight with uh, the sand thing was. Bolse is awesome with all the like the laser tower you're dodging. The like the non-core part of, bo- of Bolse is the only part that I don't like because it feels weird to be moving while it's <laughs> rotating in the other direction. It was... I, I liked it just for the same reason you dislike it. Yeah. So. It is. It, I feel like you're out of control. Like, yeah. the whole time. Yes. So you're just like... You either go way too fast, or you're, like, trying to fight through jelly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like all versions of Andros. I like the guy who runs down the path. Golemek. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think Zonus has a satisfying boss. The yeah. The water lo- oh. The bomb boss. I think that's, like, the only boss that I don't really like playing. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that the part that you didn't like? No, the, the it's fine that he's a pirate. You don't like, okay. I'm, I don't like the fact that it's like, because it's just, like, he gives you bombs so much. because you can only hold so None of his projectiles are difficult to avoid. The only thing that really ever hits you is the spike ball, and that's if you're, like, being super lazy. <laughs> And he's just like, you know, I can just take the hit this time, <laughs> rather than get out of the way. Yeah, it's just a bomb. It's a way for you to get lots of bombs. Yeah. I mean, it's not, like, not cool. Yeah, it's, and it's just every, fun. It's yeah. like a video game boss, it, right? Like, every boss in this game, I feel like, has a very, like, they have a very satisfying, like, aesthetic suite to them. Like, the, both, like, the sound effects and, like, the visual effects on scoring hits on boss yep. is very, very, like... They're very clear. It's very like satisfying to do, and that guy's actually a pretty good example because like you blow sections of his ship off, and they like <laughs> come off and then sink into the water. Yep, it's all very like visceral. pleasing. Yeah. yeah. So we like yeah. I don't even because I think we've already talked about the rats. The UFO level where Bill is uh, oh, also kind of just a video game boss, but cool within the context of don't shoot down the friendlies as like a personal mission. Is that is there and. Any like negative consequence for shooting friendlies? Only, it's only personal. It's only at the very end of the level when uh, you instead used bombs and killed all of them, and there's just no one else in your formation. 
Whereas if you kill none of them, you have like a full awesome, totally uh, sweet Cornarian okay. Air Force. Because I know that like, because the first thing that Slippy says when you get in the level is like, it's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys. Well, yeah. It's, it's the, like, it is fucking hard. That's the point. <laughs> I shot so many replies. <laughs> That's like such a weird place. Because I was imagining with a 64 game just because of like the era that it came out. Yeah. Like, I always imagine a kid playing the game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that seems so mean to a kid to like... But, like, they're in this game, they just shoot everything, and then they get to that level, and they start shooting everything, and then everyone starts yelling at them. That's probably what they did. Like, you're it. killing all of your friends! <laughs> like, I don't mean to! I'm sorry! No, don't be disappointed in me, Bill, my old buddy from high school. <laughs> I'm gonna need therapy. <laughs> But that's probably what they didn't punish you mechanically for, right? Because if you punish, if you were, if you were like, if you took damage, or just I, I, that makes no sense in context, but yeah, just yeah. arbitrarily, if you took damage when you shot down a friendly, that would be stupid. Well, I think they should just have an arbitrary number of friendlies that if you kill them, it just fails the mission. Right? Yeah, that, like, yeah, that could. Well, that'd seem arbitrary though, because you shot down and be like, no, no, we're going. Out. They'd be like, well, you're a mercenary, dude. They'd be like, Starfox, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> And Fox then again, McLeod, yeah, <laughs> credits roll to like a montage of Fox like in line at a soup kitchen. Like <laughs> his life went downhill quick. Andros's specific soup kitchen. Yeah, yeah. you know they could they could use the stamp thing a second time too. I think the end of the game. Oh yeah, it's fired. fired. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's still just like the, the great Fox logo stamp, but it's just on like a, like a pink slip that <laughs> gets your notice of termination that's just approved. <laughs> yes. Uh, great right. alternate ending. We done? Oh, I kind of wanted to bring up the 3D. But I feel like this is, I wanted to do it earlier, but forgot. Oh, that's fine. Because uh, there are a lot of 3DS games where I just turn the 3D off. Mm-hmm. But I think Star Fox is a game that actually implements it really well. It yes. depends on Except the... for there's a couple of levels that have lots of enemies on screen, and I turn it off for those. But, like, at a time. Like, what? I think... I, it gets, like, I don't know, like, too... It's too real. Yeah, it's too real. It's all these enemies flying at me. It just it gets a little like blurry or something. It gets like a little weird for me when it, like there's a bunch of enemies on screen. Oh, well, that, that sounds that's like eye fatigue. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I can get that. Eye fatigue. But and the, in the 3DS version, uh, Rob sixty four ever helpful companion uh, likes to tell you that if you are using 3D, you should take a break every half hour. Yeah. I guess but, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Just, the hypothetical version in which the 3D is perfect and doesn't isn't like physically straining to your eyes, I think the, the reason that it's so good in this game is because it's a game that sort of uniquely uses it. Because, mm-hmm. like, 3D backward space... Yeah, the depth of field. Yeah, is relevant to, like, every single on-rail section at all times. Anything that can help you judge distance like that will be extremely helpful for the vast majority of the game. And even more so than, like, a shooter or something comparable, because it's the only distance that's really relevant. Yeah. I, I, I was told specifically not to do this, but uh, I like playing this game with the 3D on in the dark. 
Which is weird, I guess. Why would you? Why are you not supposed to do that? Evidently, it's bad for you. Yeah. Why the dark specifically? I I think the contrast, like your eyes are trying to focus on something, and I think I don't know if it's like actually bad. This is like the worst disclaimer (laughs) ever. Uh, I've heard it's bad. I have no specific reasons why. (laughs) Please try it and find out for yourself. Who told Uh, you? It's like a, it's, when you look at stuff about the 3DS, they always have like a list of health. Do you not read the health and safety <laughs> information? <laughs> it's not like you went on to like, I don't know, like Game Facts or something, and then someone was like, oh, don't play this video game in the dark. <laughs> game Facts will tell you the opposite of that every time. No, using the 3D, this is, I don't know why I know this, I must have at some point read the health and safety information. <laughs> That's in every you're, instruction real book. <laughs> but I think that you're not supposed to use the 3D in the dark. This got way further than I wanted. I just wanted it to be like a one-off line. Nope, no, but. we're going to grill you on reading health and safety information like a loser. <laughs> Who cares about his health and safety? I didn't just say... <laughs> I did have to say that the 3D on the new 3DS is, is, is better. Ooh, so good. Uh, and then, like, that and, I think, Super Mario 3D Land are the only games that I think that I've played with the 3D on and, like, actively enjoyed it. Most of the time, I think it's, like, an active detriment to the game. Is it, oh, wait, you, you have, you replaced your 2DS. Really? Yeah. Yeah. like, maybe that's the has, That would be the issue. Chad has, yeah, the new 3DS. Well, the thing is, JJ with the, and I have the original 3DS. Yeah. Yeah, with the, with the 3DS, you're not supposed to play with the 3D on the dark. With the 2DS, you're not supposed to play a 2DS. <laughs> right, yeah. Ever. That is what it says. Yeah. Unless you have, like, a weird... Ah, fuck that goddamn system. You, just, you open the book, you bought and it's like, I know. what are you doing? You are clearly, if you are reading this, you are not 8 and should not have a 2DS. Yeah, that's true. I think it is. I think it's just for kids. Yeah. I got it because it was cheaper. I, the, the only justification for it I've heard that I thought made sense is it's for kids so they don't, like, clamp their fingers. Oh, no, it's uh, not clamping their fingers so they don't snap it. Oh, uh, and that. Yeah. yeah. yeah they don't pinch their fingers but yeah, that's, they don't that, I thought snap that was explicitly why it existed. Well, I don't know why it... Uh, the, I get... If that's... If it's literally, like, literally nerfing... <laughs> <laughs> like making it a safety product yeah, it's like, for kids that I guess that explains the fact there's no clamshell but like it's still like a weird like wedge design which I don't understand fully I don't know yeah that's I guess more thinking about that because I never questioned that it sort of evokes the like weird not Play-Doh isn't there like another there's like 7 million toy companies all named Play-X like right. Play School yeah, it's, it's like, like a Fisher play Price. school, like, really Fisher basic Price, yeah. geometry-shaped thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's... strange because, like, <laughs> we're just going to get off track. I don't actually give a shit. Um, but, like, when you hold, like, a normal controller or, like, a, two, or like a 3DS, uh, you kind of, like, your hands naturally land where they want to land and, like, have things to hold on to. Yes. With the 2DS, because the shoulder buttons are, are all the way top. at the top of the screen, you have to hold the thing up, like, near the where the screen is, and not where the touchscreen is, which makes that inconvenient. But then additionally, like, there's no grip on it. So it's basically just your own pressure of, like, 
laying your hands on it is slowly forcing it down. So you have to readjust it all the time. It's just a really badly designed like piece of hardware. Oh yeah, the reason it forces it down, why it wouldn't if you're holding it regular, is because there's no point that comes against your palm. Right, it, it just so hangs... high up that you're just like pushing a cheese block down yeah. out of your hands. But the That's only awful. game I ever played on it was uh, Pokemon. The sixth generation Pokemon games. Oh man! So, Imagine if you tried to play Smash Brothers on a TV. Yeah, it would be. I have. It's impossible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like in Pokemon, I just put it on a table and I press the touch screen <laughs> and I cook dinner. Like, <laughs> it's not a. It's not an issue at that point. All right. Yeah. Uh, Star Fox. 64. Other than the 3D, I also wanted to kind of bring up the ending where you follow your father's ghost out of the. I never. At all, got that. I I think got that. that's like weirdly effective on me. Like I feel like that's a really like emotional, like nice emotional moment. Is it his ghost? Is yeah. that the implication? It it physic. It's you have to really pay attention to it, and it's supposed to be ambiguous when you're when you first experience it. But experience if like you dozens just, of times. yeah, and if you just look at the screen like really closely as he as both of you guys like leave the atmosphere, essentially his shape just vanishes. Just like on screen vanishes. I didn't actually think that he came out of the thing. It does. It does. He I pops out, and then you pop out. Right. Yeah, and he just disappears. Totally agree that it's like weirdly affecting in context, though. I think that they do like some nice pauses on it. Yeah. They hard stop on a lot of the campiness. Yeah, it's like it's not like it doesn't beat you over the head with it either. He's just there, and you just follow him out. It's not like. Oh, Fox, you've avenged me. So, yeah. Like, you know... He like, just says, like, basic dad line. Yeah, which is... Which nice. is, like, which is you've become so strong. Yeah. Gone forever. James McLeod, basic dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet shades, basic dad. <laughs> you can get those yeah. shades, you know that? You've, you've, you've ex- specifically those... Yeah, in, in expert mode, you're just wearing the shades. Oh. Yes, I did know that. Okay. I thought you meant you could In physically buy, like, <laughs> start, like Nintendo branded Star Fox 64 sunglasses. If you're willing to not go for the Nintendo brand, you could just buy sunglasses. <laughs> that isn't true. <laughs> Thanks for listening to NoClip this week. As always, you can get a hold of us at noclippodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at noclippodcast, on our website, noclippodcast.com. And on YouTube, which is just no clip. Uh, what are we playing next time? Next time, uh, we are playing Bioshock. Uh, if this is the game that got JJ into video games, Bioshock is the game that made me think video games were really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! No, more of that! Well said. Yeah. <laughs>